a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Alpine Stars. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, each and every week, we're here giving you uh, either race rundowns or one-on-one interviews. And uh, thanks for the downloads. Thanks for the support. As always, uh, you can get these on iTunes. Uh, Steve Mathis Classics. There's a whole bunch of podcasts that you people probably don't even know I did. Uh, check out the Classics Volume 1, 2, and 3. Um, and search the names on the Pulp Mix app. And uh, you'll, you'll come up and you'll see something that... Uh, will be super cool since it's December and dirt bikes are exciting for sure but so is blasting up a snow-covered mountainside on a snow bike or snowmobile if you're looking for another opportunity to escape the city grab some of fly racing's tactical snow gear and get riding check out the new stylish and functional carbon jacket created for those that want to explore the deepest of powder beyond the trail and the crowds fly racing they make a ton of stuff outside of uh, the gear that Baggett and pike and, and bloss and many others wear the seven deuce deuce and thanks to Alpine Star Protects. I've got a pair of Tech 7s. I love them. They're great. But of course, besides their boots, the BNS Tech Carbon Neck Support System, the A1 Roost Guard, and the Fluid Tech Carbon Knee Brace are all uh, part of the Alpine Star Protects family. And if you've seen their airbag road race suit as well, you know that these guys are serious and they know what they're doing. And we thank the Alpine Star guys for coming on, as well as the folks from Fly Racing. All right, with me on the line is a, a guy I, I wasn't sure I'd ever do a podcast with. But uh, but we've had him back on the show, Pulp Mech Show, a few times, and, and now we're doing a little bit more of a deep dive interview. He's a team manager for Smart Top Moto Concepts Honda Racing, Tony Alessi. What's up, Tony? How are you, man? Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's my pleasure. Um, yeah, it's a Friday, whatever, before Christmas. I'm not sure. Did, did these get, like, recorded and played later, or how yeah. does it work? Yep. Yeah, we'll record this. This The people will hear this the week of Christmas at some point, so we'll put this thing out awesome. there. Um, awesome. So you're the manager for the team. Uh, your son, Mike, is not on the team for the first time in a long time, getting a knee fixed up. So for you, Tony, is it a bit weird not dealing with Mike and not not sort of, you know, keeping one eye on that program that you've literally done his entire life? You know, it's actually, um, you know, Mike actually taking, uh, you know, maybe this uh, Supercross season off, it, it, it's actually kind of nice. Um to be honest with you, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm his dad, too, in terms of, you know, yeah. I'm scared for him a lot of the times, you know. I, I don't want him to get hurt, and I don't want him to, like, you know, have some kind of, a you know, life-altering situation, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm always scared of that factor, you know, especially, you know, in later years, you know, yeah. getting close to 30, you know. And yep. so, uh, so it takes pressure off, you know, because 
of what's needed to like you know be competitive you know the mm-hmm. level of riding that you have to do and the risks that you have to take just to be competitive even in the top 20 yep. you know and so uh with him you know out of that kind of loop and uh and him not having to you know take those risks man it's a lot nicer for me to be honest do you think he races supercross again i mean it's early like you said he's getting his knee getting some work done on a knee but do you think he comes back to supercross ever um, well, I can tell you this. Um, Mike Genova has said that Mike Alessi will always have a spot on the team. Mm-hmm. So if he chooses to ride Supercross in the future, he's got a spot. Right. He's, so it's up to him. You say that he's he's almost 30. Where the hell has the time gone, Tony? <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? I mean, we were, I, was just, I was just thinking, you know, I was looking right. at, at a race because somebody said to me, hey, you know, Mike never had any good 250 Supercross races. And I was like, I think he got second yeah. in 2006 at the East-West shootout. So I, I went back and I actually watched that race you uh-huh. know, um, yeah. on YouTube because YouTube's awesome. You can just see all these races, anything you want to see, it's there. And, and I watched that race and I was like, man, he was awesome. He did get second. He did ride good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, was, I thought it was awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. It's to believe the hype shirts were that long ago. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Like, and I'm in the same boat. I mean, I was a, I was a mechanic then when you when you guys came and turned pro and Mike and Jeff turned pro. And holy shit, to hear that Michael Lessie's almost thirty. You're like, oh, you, oh god. <laughs> you, you, you just, you know, now that you brought up those believe the hype shirts, you know how that came about, right? Uh, DMXS guys got it started, didn't they? Well, it's actually Kenny Watson's idea. Oh boy, and, here, you know, here we go. <laughs> I, I never rate. We never rate. You know, Mike never raced a pro national or anything like that. So we, we were naive and kind of clueless. And uh-huh. um, Kenny said, Hey, this is what you got to do. You're going to have to do this. It's, it's a good idea. So of course we're naive. We're like, okay. Yeah. And uh, the DMX guys built the shirts and all that. And so we rocked them, you know, yeah, and man, were people, man, were people pissed off. Oh, it's, so, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's yeah. all, it's all part of the, the fun, right. Of our sport and everything else looking back on it. Um, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's funny that you say Watson though for sure. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's it's you know well let's talk let's let's stay on Mike and then we'll talk about uh, Brayton and Weimer and everything else and and Vince getting ready. But you know I, I get I I see these things online and and it's it's happened on my show and everything else and people call Mike Alessi's career like a failure and I'm always like no, it's not. He never won a championship. Okay, I get it. But he literally he would have won that 2009 title without a doubt in my mind had he not broken his kneecap. And Mike has literally earned millions and millions of dollars racing. He's made the podium so many times. He's won nationals. Like Michael Essie's career is so far from a failure. You know, it's 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 funny though. Our sport is so fixated on championships, and I get it. But boy, if I, I'd like to have a failure, quote unquote, of a career like Michael Essie. You know? Yeah, I, I think for me, like, I balance it out, you know, like, okay, how many good good events were there? How many bad events were there? And, man, you know, after I started to think about it, there sure was a lot more good events than there were bad. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah there, was, there, was, there was definitely bad ones. But, man, when you start to look at it, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, things that stand out in my mind, people don't won't remember this, but, I mean, if you think about the 2009 Seattle Supercross, uh-huh. Mike led. Mike led fourteen laps. He was going to probably win that race if he didn't fall. And he had. And Villapoto was second right from the start. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, a race like that, I mean, just that one alone right, was right. terrific. Yeah. You know, and, and those races that when he was a kid, when he was racing against Langston, were phenomenal, you know. And, and in 2007, in his rookie ride as a 450 guy, which would be 10 years ago, um, and keep in mind, he only rode 250 class two years. Yeah. And so, um, in his first year on a 450, he would have been uh, 18 years old. I mean, he finished second in the championship, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah. like like you said, he had some really solid potential, potentially championship level rides in 08 and 09, and lots of uh, you know podiums and and wins and lots of money. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. In no, that, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. I, he, uh, I you know. In the, in those days, right? If you won a race, it was a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. If you if you won. Each moto, they gave you a $15,000 bonus per moto. So, it, theoretically, if you went 1-1 one, one on the day, you could make hundred and thirty grand in a day. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, yeah. that, those are all crazy and legit things, you know? And yeah. So, uh, and now, here we are. We're, I don't know. He's been racing pros since 2004, so it's like 13 years down the road of pro racing. So, I think that he's had a long career and he's had a lot more good than he's had bad oh absolutely uh, yeah i i i I think if his name was anything different than michael Effie, people would be like yeah man that guy had a good career you know yeah i mean honestly like uh you know i worked for tim ferry and he had a phenomenal career and he won a east coast championship in in supercross but other than that he didn't win anything and just like mike and 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 you know he and he doesn't have near the amount of wins that Michael Lessie has, and everyone looks at Tim Ferry's career. No one would look at Tim Ferry's career and be like, "Oh yeah, he sucked." Like no way. Yeah. And Mike was Mike has more wins than him. You know, so yeah. I don't know. It's just you're right. The last name is what clouds people. But as I said, I would love to have a quote unquote failure of a career like Michael Lessie. That's a hell of a career he's had. You know, so yeah. um, I don't know. Um, hey, looking back on it, you know, you guys rode Hondas forever. There was a chance for you to go to the factory Geico team, or maybe factory Honda team, and you didn't do it. Is that maybe a regret you have? You know, I, I actually asked my, myself that question a few times, you know, since yep. now we're kind of winding down. Yep. And um, uh, the answer would be that no. I, I think that we did do the – I think the right decision was made. Um, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, as – as we were approaching, you know, and, and I'm so thankful for everything that Honda did for my family and for Mike and for Jeff yep. and the Amateur Link. They did a great job, but we also gave them, I, in my opinion, a great return. Uh, yeah, for we sure. Were, yeah. We gave them a great return on it. Um, when it came time to change over to pro racing, I had to change people. You know what I'm saying? So I was working with Bill Savino and that whole group over there. And then it changed over to you know, um, the factory people, which were different people, you know, completely. So, um, Chuck, what's his name? Chuck, Chuck uh, Miller. Miller, Chuck Miller, Chuck, Chuck Miller, uh, and Eric Kehoe and Danny Bentley. Yep. And so those folks were different than what we were all used to, you know? And so, um, so we started kind of with that, you know, path and, um, we couldn't get the bike to, in my opinion, the 250 yeah. was just, it was uh, it was just not um, not good enough, you know. I know that sounds crazy, but it really wasn't. And um, so we said, "Hey, look, we're." And when I say not good enough, I mean, make, let me make sure I say this right. 
it was just not – there wasn't enough time to set it up properly for Mike. Yeah. It was – At the highest levels, more, yeah, at the highest levels we're talking to. There was – there needed to be more time, at least another three months. And that time wasn't there. It was like, it's now, you know? And so I asked, hey, can, since Mike has been racing a 450 most of the time, he's racing Loretta's on a 450, right. how about we just race our 450, and if you guys just can just loan us your shock mm-hmm. and your foot pegs, um, we'll do those two races and get them out of the way, and then we'll start, you know, trying to develop that 250 for Mike. Yep. And their answer was absolutely no. We're not doing it. We're, it's not going to happen. And so I, I said, I said, look, are you guys sure you don't want to help us do this? Because I think that's the direction we want to go. And they said, no, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do it. And so uh, at about that same time, KTM um, was trying to get recognized in the U.S. They didn't really have any legitimate yep. program or riders, and, and, but they had just won a championship in MXGP, um, the 250 class, whatever you would yep, call that yep. class. Yeah, MX2, yeah. Um, with, um, with Ben Townley. So he had just won. And they had other guys that were really good, too, like Mark DeRuver and um, uh, what's Rattray. his name? Rattray, Rattray was probably then, yeah. Right. So um, they said, hey, look, we're, we're going to fly you over here because we believe we have a bike that is really good. We're winning the world championships. Would you just come over and just take a look at it? So we flew over there to Austria, and they took us to a track that was over there, and the thing was so fast. I, I couldn't <laughs> right, right. believe. Yeah. I mean, like, I literally, I had to, I asked, can I ride that? And so I went and rode the bike, yeah. and, I, and I was probably 170 pounds or whatever, uh-huh. and I could do a third-gear start on the thing. I was like, dude, this thing, you, <laughs> yeah. there ain't nobody beating you on this thing. Yeah. We got to do this. Yeah. And so the time and the opportunity was there. And so we picked it, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, and the rest is kind of history. I, you know? I, I had somebody tell me one time, and I worked at KTM in 2000, 2001, and, uh, and Langston was there in 01 and all that. And I had somebody tell me one time that Mike's, Mike's never had the results in Supercross that he had in Motocross, obviously. We all, we all can see that, although he had some great rides in Supercross. But somebody said that you guys going to KTM – with the no-link shocks at the beginning, the PDS system is what the KTM had when you went there, it wasn't ideal for Supercross. And someone told me that if Mike had gotten on a bike that worked well in Supercross, his whole Supercross skills may have been better. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think the thing held you back a bit in, in, indoors? Honestly, if, if it's anything, it wouldn't be more than one number. Yeah. So if you're talking the difference between being a seven right. and a six, mm-hmm. that's probably what we're talking right, about. Right, right, right. Okay. I think more more in that time was, I mean, WP didn't really have a lot of Supercross experience. They were a European company. Yep. So was KTM. So I think they uh, they just were like green on the whole setup for Supercross. So I think it was more there than the link, you know? And, yep, yep. Uh, was yeah. Was Mike always a little like uh, when you, was was Mike always a little uh, worse off in Supercross? Like, do you okay? Like, you're the guy that we all know. Like, you drove to all the national tracks before you guys turned pro, so that you could ride the nationals more, right? And right, and right. and you're one of the dads that you know prepped your kids for anything and possible at any time. And and, and I can relate because I kind of had a dad like that, you know, as well. I remember my dad changing uh, all the hard pack tires. 
in the morning when we got to the race to all mud track, all mud tires because it rained. And then halfway through the day, he put six hard pack tires back on because the track dried out. That's kind of dad. My my dad was, and you would probably do the same. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. But do you, do you look back at like, like why, why didn't I spend enough time with Mike at Supercross or did you? And he just never was as good at it. Cause I mean, as for as phenomenal a rider as he was, there ain't too many riders in history who had, could win outdoors at any class, any given time, and not you know not do as well in Supercross. Did you not spend as much time with Mike, or was it a timing thing? Or, or looking back on it, what do you think was the reason for the differences? Well, I would say that um, you know, as amateur riders, Loretta Lenz was the everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying like that was it. Everything revolved around how do you win that race, you know, and mm-hmm. so. With that in mind, um, our focus was 99.9% on motocross. Yeah, yeah, you know, go, yeah. win, go win the area qualifiers. Go win the regional qualifiers. Go try to win Loretta Lynn's, you know, because that's it. That's all that matters. And so, um, and that's the way that we were, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever you want to call it. That was our, our thought. And so at, with that in mind, we really didn't put a lot of effort into Supercross while others were. You know, I mean, Millsaps was riding Supercross at a very young age, and yeah. so was Villapoto and doing yep. all those arena crosses and indoor events. And, um, and um, so they had a huge, you know, head start. Um, we started to ride. The first time we ever rode a Supercross track was before well, Mike. first time we ever rode a Supercross track was before the U.S. Open. Okay. Okay. Uh, and um, that race had Villapoto in it and Josh Hill and Chris Purcell. Yep. Um, I, I'd have to look back to see what year it is. I, I couldn't remember right off the top, but I would think it was maybe 02 or yeah. 03, whatever it was. Um, and so um, we went to Castile Ranch because we were sponsored by CTI at the time. Yeah, yeah. So we asked Mr. Castile if we could go ride the Supercross track. And we went out there, and, and, and Mike was riding. And, and actually, he was good. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he was good. He was fast. He was able to do everything. And so I thought, all right. I mean, I thought his technique and the whoops was strange, but he was fast through them. Yeah, you know yeah. I was like, yep. looks looks a little scary, but he's fast through them. <laughs> right. And, um, and so we took that to the U.S. Open and ended up winning that. Um, I think it was Mike won. I think Purcell was second. And then uh-huh. maybe Hill and Villa, or maybe Villapoto was third and Hill was fourth, something like that. Right. But everybody was good that was racing it. So I just assumed at that point, well, I guess we're all right with Supercross, and we won that. And so we continued to pursue the Loretta Lynn, you know, dream of trying yeah. to win the most championships there. That yeah. was kind of the idea. And, and we did. We accomplished it. We, we finished. We won 11 championships, which is, the I believe, tied with the all-time high mm-hmm. with Stewart. So that was awesome. But when it came time to really ride Supercross, Oh shit, man! We got an eye opener right away. Yeah, we got to the KCM track on the first time that we were riding Supercross. The test rider at the time was Casey Lytle. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was and he was four seconds a lap faster than Mike. No. and I was like, I was like, <laughs> oh boy, oh, oh boy, shit, right. we got problems. Yeah, and um, that thing that he did in the whoops that that looked fast, yep. ended up causing multiple crashes in the mm-hmm. whoops. Yep. You know, uh, at the first whatever three months going to the hospital was like a once a week thing. Oh you know? boy. Yeah. 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 It was crazy. So, uh, I think then that's where he developed kind of the fear of the whoops and started to lose confidence and you know, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Like I said, I don't know if we've ever had a rider in history be so drastically different. Um, we've had guys that are close, you know, but, I mean, Mike is, again, when he was on outdoors, he could beat almost anybody, you know, at any time. So um, it's it's interesting to, to see that. I've always thought, like, Jeff, when Jeff was, was healthy and good and, and ready to go, uh, taller, longer legs than Mike, I always thought Jeff's supercross skills were better than Mike, to be honest. You agree? They were way better. Yeah. No, they were way better. When yep. we were at the KTM track, um, and I'll tell you another fact that's going to blow your mind, too, you probably won't believe it, but, um, but you can look it up. Um, but <laughs> when Jeff first started to ride Supercross, um, the first year in, he was kind of whatever you want to call it, a rookie. Yep. But he was already way faster than Mike, and he actually became faster than Hanson, who was the fastest guy at the Supercross track at that time. Jeff was starting to produce faster lap times than him. Um, then he went to uh, a track that was up here um, at Comp Edge that had a Supercross track, uh-huh. and he was actually – you know, three or four seconds left faster than Mike that day, and he was actually faster than Millsaps that day, which was, he was also yeah, yeah. super fast, Millsaps. So I was like, dude, this guy is going to be a Supercross guy. He's going to maybe possibly win races. And um, But then he crashed, and he busted up his feet terribly bad. Yeah. Um, the taluses and, I guess, all those things, the heel, and it, and it took a very long time and a lot of surgeries to get it back to right again. Right. Um, and so then it got back to right again, and then uh, he was still contracted with KTM, so he was going to ride East Coast in 2007 with Mike. And the very first Supercross race that he ever attended and raced in Atlanta, he qualified first in front of Dungey, in front of uh, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. The pro circuit guys yep. and everybody. And I remember standing there when one of the pro circuit dudes came up to Mitch. I was kind of standing close by, and he, and he said, Alessi was qualified first, but it's not the one you think. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that was yeah, that. Was that. Uh, Jeff's causing a nice little stir on these message boards right now. I don't know how what your relationship is with him right now, but... I don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> I feel like I feel like shaking him up and being like, "Jeff, stop posting. Stop posting." That's that's me. That's my opinion. But yeah, I, I mean, I mean, re- honestly, the thing, the only thing that I share realistically with Jeff is our last name. Yeah. Um. He uh, he's a guy that beats to his own drum. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you can tell. You know, he's thirty years old. You know, almost. You know, he's up there too, close to thirty. So he's his own guy. I mean, he doesn't live here or anything like that. Right. Neither does Mike. They're both, you know, they both don't live with me anymore. Yeah. They they both moved on to their own stuff. And and uh, uh, but uh, you know, um, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> you know the two things that come to my mind right away is that you know there was a, uh, a professor that was talking to me one time, and he said the most dangerous guy in the world is a guy that either a doesn't care whether he lives or dies or a guy that thinks he's right about something. And so yeah. I think what's going on with Jeff here is it's probably the second one, you know, where he thinks he's right about something. And so, you know, he is, you know, he's. Yeah, gonna, he's going. You know, he's going with it. He's yeah. going with it. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, um, hey, so let's talk about now. Uh, Smart Top. Remoto Concepts Honda team manager, uh, Vince Freeze, uh, Jake Weimer, Justin Brayton, all on the team. How's everything going? Uh, obviously, Weimer's just back riding. I talked to Brayton for an interview on Racer X the other day, and he, we had him on the Pulp Show. Um, how's everything going go, going into 18? Yeah, I'm really pumped with the guys that we have. Um, they're all older guys, you know, yeah. starting at 
27 and probably going to 33, I think, Justin is going to be. I yep. think his birthday is is probably coming up here in the next couple months. Um, so I got older guys, which are great because they really know how to develop the bike. You know, they're, they know how to train. Um, they know how to practice. You know, you don't have to hold their hand or tie their shoelaces, you know. Yep. I mean, yep. it's, it's these guys are great, you know. And uh, so I think that Brayton um, is coming into this season, um, like, very uh, prepared. You know, I think that he got his second Supercross championship in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's seasoned already. Like, like when he's riding right now, I, I feel like I'm watching a guy that's in the ninth round of Supercross. Yeah. You know, it's solid. So yeah. solid. I mean, no mistakes when he rides, super fast in the whoops. I mean, man. Great well, starter. And I think the uh, the 16 and 17 Honda 450F were quite different. And as Brayton said, the 17s were late getting in. He rode a 16 all off season. You know, now he's got some solid time on, on the 17-18 platform. You know, that'll help. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, we, we get some support from Honda and, you know, mm-hmm. technical support and stuff. So we're we're able to, you know, um, make a, a, a really good bike. You know, and so uh, I think that, you know, from where we were, Last December to this December, uh, it's a light year away, you know. Uh, so, yeah, really good improvement. And in terms of the other riders, uh, Vince Rees is, uh, you know, we have a, a KYB program now mm-hmm. for, uh, that's similar to what the factory Honda program has. I yep. mean, it's not exactly the same components, but we have a really good component that we're working with between the shock and the forks and the assistance that they're giving us with set up, setting up the bike. Um, and so I think that that, has translated into uh, a more confident, faster Vince Freeze, to be honest, because he was the guy that was around most of the time for this um, since Justin was in Australia and uh, Jake was hurt. So Vince did a lot of the preseason testing, and uh-huh. uh, I think they put a lot of effort in, and I think that we've got a package that's made him better. You know, he's yep. better in the whoops, he's better in the rhythm lanes, um, and a lot of days when we're at public track, um, he he clearly has the track record, no matter who. Shows oh wow! Really? Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I, I, if you were going to ask me who a sleeper was or yeah. who could be a surprise this year, it'd yeah. definitely be. Um, and in terms of Jake, I mean, unfortunately, he there was a crash at the beginning of the uh, September. Yep. And um, and man, I feel bad because I mean, I like Jake and I I really enjoyed working with him. And in the one month that he was already riding from August to September, he was already making huge strides of getting better, you mm-hmm. know, and I was like, wow, yeah, we're going to have a guy that's going to be up there. And then um, obviously we had that, that crash and then he's been set back and he started riding again at the beginning of this month in December. Uh, we had him on motocross for a week yeah. and then now he's been riding supercross uh, and just did his first testing day actually this week. Okay. Uh, and, and, I, and I think the bike is okay, but I, I think that um, it's going to be an up road you know, uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, it'll take a while. First, yeah, yeah. For the first month or two. But what I explained to him is I said, look, Jake, there's a silver lining in this. So don't don't get yourself down because when we get to March and you're feeling good, right, like you're just yeah. getting to, like, a good level, the other guys are going to be tired, possibly hurt, and possibly not even there. Yeah. So your opportunity to get good results are going to be there in yeah. March and April. Yeah, don't so, kill yourself in January. Don't, don't, don't. Don't kill yeah. yourself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and he he agreed with that, and he liked that thought. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta say, like, 
uh, obviously you've been a manager there for a while, and uh, it was Mike and Vince for a long time, and and uh, you know different guys have come and go. And I've said this on my show, uh, so I'm not just saying it because you're on on the air. Like I I pull these guys aside, Chisholm or, or Braden or Weimer or whoever, and you know I'm like, how is it? And, and they without a without a without a hesitation. Tony, I got to give you a compliment because these the guys you work with say that you will go to, through the wall for these guys as a manager. You will get them whatever you want. You're, you don't play games. You don't say yes and then, but it's really no or no and it's really yes. And, you know, sometimes there's a lot of political minefields to managing a team with riders and, and keeping them happy. And, and these guys that ride for you, they, they think you're doing a great job. They think that you're a straight up hardworking guy who just wants to see them do the best. So, uh, I got to tell you that, and, and I've said it on my show. So, they're pumped. Well, I appreciate that very much, and and honestly, I, I'm not trying to do anything special. Uh, I, for me, it just feels very natural. You know, I mean, I I thoroughly enjoy working with these guys. It's so I look forward to it every morning when I wake up. I can't wait to like see the guys and do the riding and trying to test new parts, and then I think about it at night. You know, and I I enjoy it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it and you said on the pulp show famously, you're fifty percent less crazy without Mike. <laughs> I might have gotten I might have gotten to seventy five percent. Right, right. Um but really, I mean that's all these guys want, I think, in a manager, especially veteran guys like Chisholm and Vince and Jake and Justin. They just want a guy that's gonna do you know, do what he says he's gonna do, work hard, give them what they want, right? And if they can't if you can't do something, have a logical and reasonable explanation on why you can't do something. Yeah, no, and, and I think, well, maybe some of that comes from, because obviously I was with Mike through a lot of the factory programs. Yep. And, you know, those those programs are, you know, they have a tendency to be rigid, you know? Yeah. And um, they're, 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 there's very little flexibility. Um, so, you know, and, and that's difficult, you know, because riders want certain things, you know, kind of like molded towards their, their ability or their style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not going to happen. They, those guys are very rigid, yep. you know, and I remember one time um, I had a comment that was made to me at one of the teams. It was like, you know, Mike was like, we were over here, we were riding, and, and, and Jeff was beating Mike on the starts mm-hmm. consistently. And I'm like, Mike, what's what's the problem? Yeah. And he said, this thing's not, not fast. And I'm like, what? It's not fast, a factory bike. Yeah. And, he, and I'm like, okay, here, you get on Jeff's bike. And and let Jeff go on your bike and let's yeah. do starts. Right. And then Mike whole shot by three bike lanes. So <laughs> I did a video of it. Did a video of it both ways, and I sent it to the team manager and said, "Hey, I think the bike might need some more power. You know, it looks yeah. like it's a little off because this this oh you know this 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 other bike is, yeah. is definitely is, is better. better. Yeah. And it's not it's not a factory bike. And the answer I got back was maybe you should go back and ride KTM. No, oh, <laughs> yeah. Instead of yeah. Instead of hey, well let's let's take a let's look, look at into it. it. Right, right, right. I yeah, mean, with that, and for me, those kinds of things stuck with me. And so, like I, when the guys are telling me they need, you know, this or that or want something better, I want to make it better for them. Yeah, you know, I want to to make it better. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, how big is how big for and I think Brayton had something to do with this, but how big was it for you guys as a team to get an OEM on board? We we all know. And I didn't necessarily agree with team owner Mike Genova's rationalization for this. I mean, that's just my opinion. Whatever could be right or wrong. But you guys, you know, you 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 didn't ex- 
you know, they were MCR bikes. You didn't really promote an OEM. Uh, we kind of knew what they were underneath the riders, but basically, you know, there wasn't a lot of support. So you guys went to MCR. How big has it been for you to be aligned with Honda and get support and be like, hey, we are a Honda team? Has that been a big, 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 a big help for you? Yes, because as soon as you're recognized as a manufacturer support team, all of a sudden your sponsors start changing. You know, and and your and the people that want to advertise yes, on, yep. on your on your brand. So all of a sudden now you have Renthal, you have Maxima, you know, um, you have upper level, you know, ma- you know, industry type sponsors getting on board, which is amazing. And then you pull in big sponsors like we just pulled in. I mean, yeah, it's within the industry of Mike Genova, yeah, Bullfrog Claws. But now we have this huge sponsor that's going to be part of our team, yep. you know, and yep. and I think that those things would be less possible without being part of a of the Honda family. Yep. It would be less possible. Yep. So um, I think just you know by being recognized as a Honda support team, yep. I think it's it's raised our image and uh, ability to advertise right. other people's products better. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, as far as the owner, Mike Genova goes, uh, a little misunderstood at times from the fans and the media. Uh, I certainly have had my differences with him. Uh, but on the other hand, some of the things he talks about in our sport as a guy coming in cold absolutely makes sense. And I wonder why the powers that be don't, you know, don't take a look at how things are done sometimes. Um, but I've, and, I, and I've also said many times that thank God for Coy Gibbs and Mike Genova's of the world because our, we'd be in trouble without these guys that are just passionate about spending money on, on a race team. Um, what's Mike Genova like? How do you like working for him? And, uh, and talk about that relationship a little bit. Well, I would say one word that comes to my mind right away is that um, Mike Genova is a pioneer. You know, mm-hmm. so um, he, uh, his other thing is he's an individual who wants to improve things, whatever it is, from you name it. He wants to make it better, you know, and so his involvement in this sport has been, you know, uh, you know, quite a few years. And I think his interest is is genuinely in improving the sport, you know, and trying to bring light to the to the way to do this so that all the teams and the riders and and obviously the promoters can all be successful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. And he's he's. He's a pioneer in that area because there's a lot of things that we do that are different, you know, different than the other teams. But people are coming around and saying, you know what, maybe those guys are doing it the right way. And so uh, I hear a lot of that. So I think yep. that's that's it. You know, do you do you? I mean, thank God it's a passion project for him, right? That he's able to su- sustain some losses and write it off. And and you know what I mean, like. Thank God, because our sport isn't great right now. It's not great. I, I you know, I, I wonder sometimes where we're going to go if, if the Mike Genovas and Coy Gibbs decides to fold up and we have five factory teams, and that's it. Well, I think two things on that. Um, the first thing is I think that I'm, I'm for I, I'm grateful for Mike Genova. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And the thing that's good about our relationship is that honestly, I need him to do to do this, and he needs me. You yep. know what I'm saying? So. Yep. We have good chemistry in that area. I have total respect for him, and he has total respect for me, and and we talk very whatever you want to call it, candidly. Open. Yeah, yeah, candidly. Yeah. Do you guys so do, you got, that, do you guys get into it? Do you have blowouts sometimes? Probably over Mike. You know, if there's anything, you <laughs> right, know. right, right. 
you know, goggles from Mike or something. There's yeah, always yeah. some sh- the, There was stuff like that, you know? Right, right, uh, right. But that would be the ex- extent of it, really, you know? Yep. Um, but uh, I, the thing that also is really great about our situation and our team is that, and I know that other teams that are in the paddock struggle with this because I've heard, you uh-huh. know, kind of about it. But, you know, when sponsors or advertisers don't pay the teams, then the teams struggle to pay riders, yeah. salaries, and truck drivers and all of this. And, and even riders sometimes don't get paid for two or three years down the road, you know. And so we don't have that situation, thank God. You know, yeah. our, if we don't get paid by a sponsor, it doesn't affect the, you know, yeah, yeah, the Anything. bottom line, right, yep, yep. Doesn't affect it. And so uh, it's not that we, you know, and we don't in any way, um, you know, splurge. We're very conservative on how we do things, and we run it tight. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, our team, I feel, is as solid as any team that's out there because, yeah, we might not be a factory team in terms of, like, the manufacturer's team, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I mean, Mike Genova owns a factory. You know, they produce, <laughs> right. you know, hot tub covers and whatever else. And we're just kind of a factory of a different sort, but if same idea, is it possible now the Brayton is a very good rider. He's capable of podiums, you know, other than that, he's for sure, you know, a top 10 guy and Weimer's right there, uh, fully healthy. But if, if you had Tony, if you had a Ken Roxon right now, let's say that Mike Genova writes a check or James Stewart, who you guys have talked to before, you know, in the past, can you win with zero factory help? Could you win? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I think, I think that you have to have the factory to help you. I, I know that I've been told many times that it is possible to win without the factory, but the reality is it, it's going to be a really, really big uphill battle to yeah. make it happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't think um, – I mean, I think that we can do a, a very, very good job and we can make a competitive bike and rider. Um, but to, you know, to, to, to bring a top guy to a championship without factory support, I think it's going to be a, a low odds. Yeah. Low odds. I always think like you could you could get a, a compression piston and you can get some cams to a profile you want to work and you can get an exhaust to work, uh, but you need a transmission. You know, you need you need an ECU, but you can get you know the get stuff is pretty good. You can get close with that. You need a transmission. You need somebody to be like, hey, uh, strengthen the frame here and here and here, because the guy who builds the frame can tell you what it's doing. You know what I mean? Like I'm with you. Like I think you need those guys. Yeah, you have to have them. They, uh, I mean, I I just know like from just personal experience. You know, I I work with on the technical side of things. I work with Jay Gothic Jay and 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 um. I wouldn't have the right answers, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to yeah. solving certain problems yeah. without his help. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. those things without, you know, let's just say those things could lead to mistakes or DNFs, and for sure you wouldn't have championship. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, and, and like I said, if there's anything uh, that's really big for me to try to figure out, I usually talk to um, – Mr. Mishima is yep. kind of like the Sam. Yeah, but I guess he'd be considered like the uh, the manager of yeah. the whole motorcycle sports, and then he tells me the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah, you know? and yep. so yeah, so no, it's I'm it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Like yeah. you need him, you know, and, and so you couldn't get a Roxon or a Stewart or a Chad. 
read because they would have to commit to it. And then sometimes what happens, Tony, is then the factory says, well, we're not going to let him go to your team. We want him. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. such a political game. So, Well, I've, I've gone around with that a couple times. You know, like, obviously last year um, Honda wanted us, you know, they were interested in having uh, McAdoo move over to the factory connection team. So yep. we did it, yep. you know. Yep. Um, we didn't have to, obviously. I mean, we had a contract with, with McAdoo. Um, but our whole intent the whole time was to do the best we could for the kid, you know. And so, you know, a lateral move over to there was probably better. You know, we yep. don't race motocross, so the whole thing was better for him to do it that way. So, yeah, but, and you know, and t- speaking of that, like Chad Reed, you know, we had an opportunity to have Chad Reed on our team this year. And, um, and I think it could have happened, but we couldn't. And I, in, and I even had Honda to the point where they were willing to commit to, you know, a full works bike yep. for him. Yep. Uh, but the problem was the cost of that material was so right. high. Yeah. And so Chad would have had to, had to come up with some of the money for that, you know, to yep. make that happen. And, yep. and, but to your point, if there was no factory effort whatsoever, yeah. Chad would look at us and say, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's a yeah. chicken and the egg scenario a little bit, right? Um, yeah. So the reality is not only is the factory, you know, you t- You'd have to have that involvement to yeah. get the riders anyway. Yeah, because they wouldn't come. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, Tony Alessi on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Alpine Star Protects. Uh, listen to these commercials uh, from uh, Michelin for the Starcross Five Tire, as well as Race Tech suspension. Use the code Pulpamex seventeen to save with the folks at Race Tech. Tony, you've had a long relationship with the guys at Race Tech. They they do they do good work down there. Yeah, I just saw Paul Feed yesterday. Actually, I was down there. Um, uh, Actually, yeah, they were dynoing some. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, well, Michael Essie, you know what I'm saying? He, yep. I went and picked up some of his suspension that was that was from last year's motocross, so I brought it over there yeah. to confirm it was all right. And so, you know, they have Rob had it on the dyno and checking it and all that. And, yeah. and Paul was there talking about his mountain bike rides that he's been doing, uh, 24, 25 mile mountain bike rides to like elevations of like 5,000 feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those guys, those guys are awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, use the code PulpMX17 to save. We'll listen to this commercial break. We'll be right back with more Tony Alessi. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right, if, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, 
Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting is always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows, they might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. All right, we're back. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects. Tony Lessie, the smart top MCR Honda team manager uh, on the line. Tony, what would you change in the sport as a manager, or like what would Mike Genova like to change? Like, what do you think we need to do, like what to keep teams and keep guys like Mike Genova around? Well, I think uh, it's interesting because your your comment was that you think that the the sport is is in a a scary spiral. Yeah, it's in a scary yeah, spot. Scary spot. And and actually. I, I normally agree with 99% of the stuff that you talk about. Uh-huh. I listen to some of your shows, and I agree. But I actually just think that the sport is stable, yeah. actually, right okay. now. And the reason I say that, I'll, I'll give you my, my reasoning Yeah, for that. please do. When I, was talking, when I was talking to the Honda managers the other day, uh, I asked them. I said, hey, how are, how are sales? And they said that the 450 is now the number one selling 450 in America. So... That's terrific. Mm-hmm. And the Honda 250 is selling like crazy. And their actual little motocross, whatever you want to call it, off-road knit nut is doing great. You know? Yep. So um, the rest of the industry, the street bikes and such, that stuff is all maybe going down. You know, the, the quads have been replaced, I guess, by the side-by-sides or whatever. Yep. But in terms of, like, off-road sales, it's, to me, yeah. the impression I got was things were good. Yeah. You know? And, well, I'm okay with that. I mean, more from the sport level, like teams leaving, teams not feeling there's value, riders not making any money, you know, oh, okay. that kind of stuff. I'm or, yeah, I'm just kind of like, man, like, you know, guys are, the promoters, some promoters are doing well, you know? Well, and I, I would think, if I put some thought into this a little bit, I think in terms of like pro racing, yep. um, 
I would think, and maybe you can agree or disagree with me on this one, I would think that Supercross is the prim- primary professional off-road sport in America. Would you yeah, yeah. feel that way? Yeah, yeah. All right. And so, and I also think that Feld provides a, a good platform for the sport. I mean, yeah, they they're, yep. on t- they're on TV. The pits have got concrete places to walk. There's stands to sit in that have beer and hot dogs. And uh-huh. it's a nice, nice platform. And the races, for the most part, in my opinion, are exciting. You know, it's a good place for advertisers to go. But I don't think it's a, it, all that's great for the teams. I think, um, I think the pro teams um, in the pot paddock, most of them that are there, uh, in today's world are subsidized in one way or another. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously the factory teams are given a budget from their advertising, uh, and they, you know, they may get money from some of some other sponsors or advertisers, but in no way are they making a profit. Yeah. You know, they're definitely in the red, yep. you know? Yep. Oh, and yeah, for sure. So in, in a nutshell, most teams are probably spending more than they bring in. So the, the solution to that maybe is doing a league, you know, kind of like how baseball or hockey yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And you have your, you have seven, four fifty or eight, four fifty teams and eight, two, two fifty teams. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To go race. To go race. You have to be on a league, you yeah. know? And so if yeah. you're on that league, Interesting. Um, yeah. then, then I think uh, that, that your team now becomes, has equity, has yeah. value. Right. Um, and I think in terms of like sponsorship and advertising, I think the promoter should just take it all, to be honest with you, because they have a better product out there than the teams do. Right. You know, and so right. with, with that in mind, Feld should be the product advertiser. You know what I'm oh, saying? Okay. And, yeah, what yeah, they yeah. Should, and they should just pay pay the teams individually um, to be part of the program. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're in you're in the league, right? Everything goes to the to the commissioner of the league, uh, aka Supercross, and and they dish right. it out, right? Right, and if, if and if, on this particular day, they they want our team to run General Graphics tires because that's one of the yep. advertisers. Yep, we do it. We wear the helmet. We do whatever. Hmm. But in return, we get a weekly, you know, uh, whatever yeah, payment uh, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right to yeah. cover our costs, to pay the riders, to get the truck there. You know what I'm saying, et cetera. Um, and um, to me, that's the way to create a more healthier situation. You know, yeah. Um, because let's be honest: at any given time, if the factories choose to do so, they can leave this sport. Um, and it's we've seen it with Yamaha, we've seen it with Suzuki now at MXGP, um, we've seen it with Suzuki. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They, and if, and if they leave the sport, that's not good. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to need more of teams like us to be part of that league. And in the event of that happening. So I, I, to me, that's the best way to do it. Create a league um, yeah. and have value for your teams. I mean, those factory teams, if they wanted to, at some point they could, they could, you know, sell it off, give it to somebody else. Yeah. 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 yeah run, it's a franchise. It's a franchise. Right. Exactly. Oh. Franchise. Exactly. Um, hey, let's talk about Vince a little bit. Now he's done some dumb things on the track. Uh, there's no doubt. And there's been involved in some controversies. But on the other hand, like the incident with Anderson last year, I felt like there was nothing wrong. That was hard, aggressive racing. But he's got this target on him, and and other and I and I, I mean, we we don't need to get into it. But you know, Wygan and Jason Thomas and myself, we got into a huge argument about it. And I just said, you know, Vince isn't real popular with the other riders, 
and so nobody really hangs out with him because they don't like him because he's not popular. So anything he does on the track, people lose their minds. And and Anderson and Pike are are, are you know everyone loves when they when they all the things they did to Vince. But there's a there's a fine line there for Vince. He he's he's trying to earn some money. The way his contract is set up, you know each each position means money to him, and he's an aggressive rider. Uh, how do you? feel about the whole Vince Freeze situation and how do you deal with him uh, when he does something dumb or, or when he feels like the whole pits don't like him? Yeah, I've actually been talking to him quite a bit, um, you know, uh, about exactly what you're talking about. Because, you know, he, he struggles, you know, he struggles to get sponsorship on his own, you know, uh-huh. whether it's gear or goggles or whatever. And I'm like, Vince, you understand the reason that this is hard for you and easy for guys like Justin Brayton to get yeah fly and to get thought goggles is because they don't like you, you know? Yeah. And if you want sponsorship, let me tell you what sponsorship means. They're, they're going to help you because they like you. Yeah. So you need to work hard in, in fixing that area because ultimately it's going to be better for you, you know, in the long run, financially, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, your, your presence in the pit, all of it is going to be improved. You know, there's a reason that, you know, when you, you look at your Instagram, for example, and you have the same amount of followers as the team manager compared to, you know, yeah. somebody like Weimer, Weimer, Brayton, whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, my point to him was, look, you know, you're actually good enough now to like race with those guys mm-hmm. up there. You can, you can do it. You're fast enough. We're, we're seeing it every single week, wherever you are that you're good enough to race up there. So just believe it, you know, just go up there and don't try to race in a defensive mode, um, race in a forward mode, you know? And so I think he's kind of getting it. Um, So the only thing I worry about is that he just kind of like loses his mind sometimes when he's in combat. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 So I I talked to him and I said, look, you, you gotta, you gotta work on this. You know, we've got to make this better. And so uh, I, I think he's getting it. I, like I said, I told him, I said, every night when you go to sleep, I want you to just see yourself running up there with those guys and doing it confidently and not having to be defensive in a corner or, yeah. or whatever, you know, just, just, just be stay yeah. up there. You but, can do it. but you want to, you want him to, to keep that aggressiveness, like not dirty, but aggressive. That, that's a good thing. You know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause he is aggressive in his, Speed on the ground, like mm-hmm. ground speed, is amazing. Yep. Corner speed, ground speed is super fast, and the starts are good. You know, yep. it's just that I don't. It just I think as soon as things get sticky, you know, that's when it gets hard. And again, I don't think those other riders, the top riders, call it whatever you want to call it, top ten riders, they they look at him like he doesn't belong there. And so yeah. uh, I think they actually probably either try harder or mm-hmm. or feel insulted or whatever when he's trying to, to race with those guys. And that that's also difficult. But yep. like I told Vince, that it only takes three times for you to be like fourth to sick when everybody, the other riders, will start giving you respect that you are that guy. Yep. But it has to be earned. So Yeah. Um, we were talking the other day, and uh, something that you showed me and we talked about was your – your use of notebooks and notes and, and to help you get better and to help you remember what you guys did for, for success and failure and everything else. And you've got these notes over the years accumulated and like, it's just it's a phenomenal system you have there, Tony. I mean, I guess for what you want to do, if you don't, 
yeah, you want to learn how how you you know what what caused success and what caused failure, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I've kept um, both a journal and a, and a and a I guess you would call a log uh-huh. every year, all the way back to like 2001. Really? Uh, wow. Mostly, I, mostly I did it just so I can remember because it's so easy to like yeah. forget how something happened or what happened or what the circumstances were and how did you do it. It's easy to forget, you know, and so. Uh, um, I have all those. So if I ever, if someone ever, you know, says, "Hey, what about this?" I can say, you know, I think we did something like that in 2007. So let me go look back and see if I can find let's, it. Let's know? let's try this. Pull down like 2009 if you can. All right, let me go get it. Yeah, Hang on a second here. Yeah, no problem. Let's, this, this, let's take a look into now, it. Some of this stuff. Uh, some of this stuff is going to be a little raw. So okay. Have... Yeah, yeah. Um, 2009. Mike was on Suzuki Factory Suzuki. Uh, Rockstar Makita. I'm just gonna. Do you want any specific point in time? Yeah, or? let's let's go. Uh, let's go like Daytona, like March 16th or something. Whatever Daytona was that year. Like let's. It would have been in March right. at some point. Yeah, let's see. 2009. Yeah, I want to see what kind of notes you have here. This is awesome. Well, I mean, they're going to be a little, like I said, it's yeah, going to be a little raw. Right. I won't edit it. I won't. Not sure how good it'll be for the right. Or just <laughs> pull radio, out. Yeah, but... yeah, we'll pull out anything. You know, that let's see what what you got. Oh, it's all, I just have to basically read it. Okay, so this is March two thousand nine. Yep. Okay. You want me to read it to you? Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you got? Okay, so this says uh, this is on March seventeenth, two thousand nine. It says, "All is happy again. Things seems to have gotten things." seem to have gotten back to being good again. Mike's results in Supercross have been third, fourth, and sixth in the last few races, and he's riding Supercross like a good Supercross rider now. Um, Danielle, his wife, has been awesome. Wednesday night family dinners and cocktails, fun days in Florida. She has definitely brought happiness back to the Lefty family and to Mike. Our life was incomplete um, with her without her in it. And I'm glad to see she's back in our lives again. Uh-huh. Uh, her, and Mike have, uh, her and Mike have a partnership at the races. They share uh, they share half of the AMA winnings, which I think I put there that's a fair deal. She has yep. definitely helped in his results. Uh, I don't go uh, too far away. Uh, I don't go far away so they save money and let them have their freedom. They're good together, blah, 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 yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, Okay, this this one here says uh, we have sorted out all our f ups uh, <laughs> with uh, bank accounts and money and sponsors, whatever that is. Um, we have three. Uh, that's just money stuff, whatever. Mike's yep, been yep. Um, Mike's been seeing a hypnotist. Okay, <laughs> I guess this is good. Helping him, uh, it's been helping him. Um, their mom Kim has been lurking around lately and. Her and John are having a relationship problem, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it's, so I th- I thought it would be more like race oriented, but it's everything. It's everything. It's just like life journals. Yeah, it's everything. Um, yeah, Suzuki it says here Suzuki has been nice to Mike. We have moved closer to the factory connection deal sponsorship by Jim Beam. So I guess we were probably working on something oh yeah like that. I, yeah yeah yeah. I'm guessing. Um, Ziggy is is awesome Ziggy is awesome, respects family and is easy to work with, he wants to win he loves our program Um, the agent Bob Walker Walker? is is cool too and I see a future there Um, 
yeah, it talks about a girl that got killed at the race, Hannah Sexton. Um, yeah, so yeah. That's just kind of that's that's, that's, that's kind of the journal from that month in March, you know. Yeah, yeah, wow. And so you could pull that out for any any year, basically. Any, yeah, yeah, any any time period. I have it all the way through, you know. Jeez, I like that. That's pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. well, um, hey, is uh, is art? Did RV have the most unlikely? pro career that you've been around of all the riders you've been around you know like uh, the fact that he won so eight championships nine championships and you know he's just like and again this goes back to you guys raced him all the time and nobody really saw that coming did you well kind of and i was actually i had this conversation with jake the last day that we were out of the test track we were talking about it you know and and you know all the way through the whole time you know i mean mike was better than yep. Villapoto. Yep. All the amateur oh, yeah. races. Yeah. I mean, I think in one particular year, I don't remember which one it is, we shut him out the entire year. Like, uh-huh. he didn't even get to win a moto right. the whole year. Um, um, but there was a turning point for him, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, I think somewhere uh, about the time of Randy Lawrence, somewhere in there, and yep. I think he spent some time at Carmichael's, he changed his riding style. And okay. I saw it. Yep. You know? Um, we we were at the same place at the same time. It was like a practice track up here in the desert. Uh, like, I don't know what you want to call it, a desert yeah. track. Sure. Not really a public track, but a rough, gnarly desert track. And, I, you know, I, he was there that day. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't doing motos like Mike was doing. Yeah. He was down at the base, and he was working on these turns. And I looked, and I'm like, he's turning the bike with the back, the back of the bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's different. You know, yep. and I think that was the turning point. You know, when he mastered that and learned how to do that, he kicked our ass. Yeah, simple as that. That was it, and not just our ass, but everybody's ass. And so, yeah, I think that was the turning point. Yeah, yeah, interesting, right? Like, like you said, he was a very good amateur. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think anybody would have thought that he would have done all of that winning that he did do. But yeah, he changed it up. You yeah. know, and that, and that to me was the. The single most, you know, thing that right. I saw, you know, and and Jake seems to think that, you know, because this was Jake's yeah. take on it, he thinks that when when Villapoto like stayed back, because remember he was little, you know, yeah, Villapoto was little little guy, yeah. So when all of us, and he's the same age as Mike, when Mike was in pro nationals, Villapoto was still riding eighty class, uh huh. And so because he stayed back for a little while, he was able to like dominate the, everything. And his confidence level came up, you know, and so yeah. that's Jake's thought on how that that yeah. transpired. Yeah, uh, probably it makes some sense, right? Don't you think? Yeah, no, there's sense yep. to it. Um, sure. What What's your regrets? Uh, do you have some regrets in in the way uh, you you know yourself you handled Mike and Jeff, or or you, you yourself as a manager or anything else? Or something you'd go back in time and do a little different if you could? Um. That's a tough question, obviously. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would think that, um, you know, it was tough. You know, like, the thing is, is I don't know if you know how uh, the history of how it all came to be, you know. Um, I mean, I worked at a trash company. Yeah, you were a trash guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I worked there. Um, fortunately, I, I had put in enough years that I had paid off my house, mm-hmm. and I lived close by. I made a good salary. It was I had a good 401K. All of that was cool, you know. And yep. It got to the point where I was like, oh, man, what do I do here? These guys are 12 and 13 years old, and 
they're fast. They're fast enough to be pro riders. So, but if I stick to what I'm doing right now, all we're going to ever do with these guys is have local pros. Yeah. You know? We're not, we're not going to get any further than that. Yep. So what do I do? So I knew that what needed to happen was, um, and we lived over in Simi Valley, kind of like where yeah. Mumford lives now. Yeah, I first, uh, I first, a hey, funny, funny story, sorry to interrupt you. Funny, I first met you, I was living with Brian Staben. I was, oh, no kidding. I was working for Ty Birdwell. We were living at Staben's place, riding a supercross track down there. And you came over a couple times, and I just knew I'd heard the name Mike Alessi on, on 80s or whatever and how fast he was, but we actually met way back then. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that, yeah. That, was a, that was a cool place, and he was a really cool guy. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So anyway, it, it was getting to where, like, we, we never went to public tracks and road. We just rode in. We had tracks up in the hills. Yep. But, man, the cops were getting so gnarly. Like, uh, I mean, literally I had to have – my wife down on the street with a walkie-talkie <laughs> while we were riding in the hills to tell me the cops were coming. Oh boy! And then then they got smart and they flew a helicopter in, and yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, this ain't gonna happen. We got it. We're either gonna do this right, right or we're not gonna do it at all. And so I ended up selling my house. I quit my job. I cashed in my four hundred one k. I told the guys, the family, look, this is how much money we have. And if you're not pro when you're sixteen. Guess what? We're out of money. I'm going back to work. Yeah. So kind of like we're all in. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so that's a that's a scary place to be. Oh, for like sure. That. Yeah. When you're, when you're all in, you're you're uh, it's a stressful thing, you know. And so uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it it turned out okay. Yeah. Because Mike got a factory ride, and Jeff got one the year after, so it all turned out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what I'm saying it's there's. Man, there's a lot that you have to sacrifice to make that happen. You yeah, know? and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I mean, I ended up with a divorce. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, it's it's you know, I mean, it's public information that I really pushed these guys hard. Yeah, you know I'm saying when they were kids. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's. I mean, it's it's just the way it was. I mean, uh, and I like I said, I was talking to Jake about this, and I'm like, man, was it like life or death every week when you guys went to the race? Because that's how it was for us. Yeah, you know? I think it was. He said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, and he said it was. It was the same for him. So I'm guessing it must have been a similar thing for, like, all of them. Yeah. Josh Grant, yeah. Know, all of it. It must have been the same feeling. But, that man, that's what it felt like every week at the race. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Push I don't know. I think, yeah. if anything, just if you asked if I could have done something different, I would have probably got him started riding Supercross. I wouldn't have had as much focus on Loretta Lynn. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I would have tried to do that better. You know what I'm saying? It, it, would it have changed anything? It's hard to say. Who knows? You know? Right. Yeah. Say. Yeah. 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 The, the, you're right though. You're not alone in, in, in amateur chasing amateur motocross glory that, and it, it hurts a family, it hurts a fam, the family unit. You know what I mean? Like there's many stories of that, man. Like you're talking about your it, divorce and easy. stuff. Yeah. It's you not know. easy because you know, I mean like when you tell your wife, Hey, look! Um, you, you're not getting a Christmas present this year because <laughs> we need money to go. We need that money for mini O's. Yeah. You know, I mean, or you know, I know that some families have daughters, and that's difficult. You know, yeah, because yeah. they get ignored. You know, it's like you're just so all in. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's a gnarly feeling to yeah. be there. You know, and and nothing else matters. And it's like you know that one line in the contract you know, yeah. that you look at that says. And all those contracts, if you're a factory rider, even at, at amateur level, I don't know if it's changed now, yeah. but it says in there, you will race to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, maybe I took that too seriously, I guess. 
Well, no. well, yeah, it's it's kind of like your reputation. Like even, you know, Tim Ferry and I were texting the other day, and his kids, you know, they're they're pretty good amateurs now, right? And Timmy's chasing it, uh, not on the level that you guys were, but certainly he is. And he said something about Evan, his son, racing, and I said, "Okay, Tony," like I <laughs> like that's what I texted back to him. You know, and it's just that's your reputation. It's it's hard to break that reputation, right? Like, do you find that for yourself, where you're like? Look, look, you're like, I'm a manager now, you know, like, I, I, you know, I, I'm just the manager. I'm working really hard and we're going to have success. But people look at you like with one eye, one eyebrow raised, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, it's fair. I guess I earned it, right? You know, so <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I earned it. So uh, about it. I'm hoping that, like, for me, I look at that as a past chapter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, I, I'm kind of living in the now. And in the now, my way of thinking is drastically different than yeah. then. Then it wow. was win at all costs, yeah. do whatever it took, you know, to 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 win a race, yeah. you know. And now it's different. My role is different. My I have my two little daughters that I have. I'm married. Yep. I have uh, an awesome wife, and uh, I have um, you know this this team that I run. Right. It's professional, and I enjoy it. Yep. I enjoy the people, and so. For me, I'm living in the now, and I enjoy this. And I, I mean, for those that are still kind of whatever, living in the past or whatever, yeah. I mean, that's that's their thing, you know. I'm yeah. not there anymore. Yeah, for sure. Okay, God, thank God you weren't there. You're not I, there. It's Lasergate, you were really I, mad. You were really mad yeah, in Lasergate. I, so thank God. <laughs> I kind of said it a couple times. Uh, Tony Alessi has left the room. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I'm not in there anymore. It's gone. Um, is there a moment in Mike's career, or Jeff's for that matter? I mean, Jeff had some really nice finishes and some some good rides, no doubt. Is there a moment where Mike made you the proudest? Is there a race or a moment, or do you remember thinking like, "Holy, like you know this"? Because like, he's he's a good kid, he's a good guy, he's a good, not a kid anymore. Like we talked about at the beginning of the show, he's now a man. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, is there a moment that you were like, "Oh, this is this is great. This worked." This is great. Look at him. Well, you, know, you, you never really know. See, that's the thing. Like when you have, you got a kid that's coming up and he's a fast amateur and he's winning races, you never know how that's going to translate mm-hmm. you know, to pro racing. You don't know. You can try your best to get the best information. Like, I mean, what we would do, for example, is um, if there was a pro national, call it at whatever track. Yeah. We would go there, watch. Yeah. We'd race the amateur days, right? Yep. Then we'd watch the pros race. And then I would make a deal with the track owner and say, hey, look, I'm going to give you 500 bucks. Don't touch the track. We're going to yeah. ride it on Monday. <laughs> and then I'd have all the lap times from Sunday. Yeah. The guys that were first, fifth, whatever, all yeah. the way through. And I see where we would fit in. In fact, Jeff Stanton actually came out with us one time and did this little exercise. And, um, and you know, at, at that point, I was like, okay, well, it's based on these numbers. Mm-hmm. It looks like Mike is probably – you know, here, yeah, top three, yeah. top three and two fifty, and top five and four fifty. So if that's the case, that's pretty good. I yeah. think we're good to do it. I think we're okay. But you just never know how it's going to pan out. Nope. And then, you know, for for me, the proudest moment was when that became real, which was sure. yeah. Kid was, kid was sixteen years old. He was in ninth grade. Yeah. He weighed one hundred and ten pounds, and he's on a four fifty at Steel City. Yep. And. uh Podiums. And yeah. And he gets the podium. To the left is Ricky Carmichael, to the right is Wyndham, and we beat everybody else that day. Yeah. From Tortelli to McGrath, who was there, to Tim Ferry. My guy. My guy, Tim, Tim Ferry. Tim, Tim Ferry. You know, and, and that to me was 
probably it. You know, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of like it was like we've done all this our whole life. We were all in, yep. we, and you know what? Here it is. We're seeing the the, the yeah, results yeah, yeah. of that, right? And you know, and another thing that people miss is that that was not the two fifty class. That was the yeah. big bike class. Yeah. The premier class. And it was on your and your bike, your suspension, your setup, the program that, you know, you built, you know what I mean, like at that yeah. point? Yeah. Yep, exactly. It was basically our Loretta Lynn bike. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was that was it. That was the best of the best for me because it vindicated, is that the word? Or yeah, no, yeah. It validated everything. And, uh, yeah, that was... That was an incredible moment. Oh, that's sure. cool. Yeah, yeah nice, know, nice to hear that. 16 years old and 450 class. I don't even know. Has, has anybody at 16 podium the 450 class in an outdoor national? I doubt it. I, to, yeah, they go to 250s, right? You'd have to go back to, you know, the early, the 80s at some point and see if Dogger did it or something or however old he was. But, yeah, basically, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. So. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, that, no, that's cool. Yeah, I remember that day. Absolutely. So, um Big, big, uh, big accomplishment, no doubt. Um, well, thanks, Tony. Thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. I, I know I got you busy before A one and all that, so I, I appreciate you taking over the over an hour to uh, to rap about the the times and here and now. So, anytime you want to do it, it's fine. I got I got volumes and volumes of stories. <laughs> yeah, so whatever you, I, I bet you do. Whatever you want to. Whatever you want to talk about, there's been there's a lot in there. Yeah, a lot happened. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. No. We we need we should do a part two down the road. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks and, for your time. Uh, good luck with the Smart Top Moto Concepts Honda team this year, and uh, and I'm, I know I'll be seeing you at the races. So thanks again for coming on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thanks for having me on, and um, we'll see you at Anaheim. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. 
The Dogger, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse. You know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Right, as the day.